Liz Corey. And I'm Katie King. And this is True True Crime Crime New England. England. What's up, everybody? Hello, welcome back for another episode. A big 75th episode, if you will. Hell yeah, 75. That's that's big. That's a very large number. That's three-fourths of a century. That's all the math I will be contributing today. (laughs) But it's a pretty impressive number. Not gonna lie. Yeah, for real. So we naturally were like, we got to do something big for episode 75. And we were going to be in New Hampshire for this episode. So we were brainstorming and thinking of, you know, there are some pretty big ones that happened in New Hampshire. What can we do? Mm -hmm. And as you can tell by the title, we landed on this one. Yes. And it's crazy because obviously it's been on our list for quite some time. And Katie, you and I were discussing earlier, we don't think anyone has sent us in this case. Like, nobody's recommended it. So we were like, really? That's crazy. But I think it's because it's just such a big case that most people in New Hampshire, even a lot of people all over the country, know about Pamela Smart. And if you don't, oh boy, stick around. Where have you been? <laughs> this this case is insanity. And it's very... It's not personal to you and I, Katie, but the connections are kind of weird. Because where this happened, um, Pamela Smart was a part of um, the staff at Winnicunit High School, which coincidentally was our high school's rivals. Now, naturally, all high schools who have rivals, you know, we shit on each other pretty bad. <laughs> our, I feel like our high school's mockery of Winnicunit was not only... Fair but accurate because it, we just hated Winnicunit. They were our enemy, like homecoming football games. That was us against Winnicunit. Like it was a whole thing. So when I read more about the story, I was telling Katie that I did not realize it was so close. I thought this was Massachusetts for some reason. So when I learned that this woman, worked in the town next to where I grew up, I just about pooped my pants. (laughs) I was like, wait, really? And for it to be this big of a case? Huge. So wild. So insane. And it actually has some historical factors in the sense that it was the first trial that was broadcast, as they put it, gavel to gavel. Basically, the entire trial was televised, which was a first. Mm -hmm. And it was... Crazy, because there was this beautiful woman, and these boys, and a murder. And everyone was like, what is happening in this small town, New Hampshire? But that's why we're here today. That's our whole MO. Hell yeah, buckle up, guys. Oh my god, it's whack. If you guys, too, have any personal stories about Pamela Smart, or... um her co-conspirators or anything, definitely send us some stuff because I feel like a lot of people have connections to Pam Smart, like locally, that are just really interesting. Mm -hmm. So definitely let us know if you happen to have any details about this case yourself. And without further ado, today we will be covering Pamela Smart. All right, we'll get right into it. Katie Peruge, hit me please with your sources. Peruge, with a big case like this, we gotta start off strong. Wikipedia. Of course, our lord and savior. 
as well as WMUR, Washington Post, All That's Interesting, and New Hampshire Magazine. Nice. I didn't know we had a magazine. Hell yeah. (laughs) I also, of course, had Wikipedia. In addition to ABC News, Oxygen.com, The Washington Post, All That's Interesting.com, and Legal.com, which was basically a copy of an appeal Pam made later, um, but it was it gave some great details about the original trial, which was awesome. All right, so let's get started. Let me tell you guys a little bit about Pammy. Born on August 16th of 1967 in Wyndham, New Hampshire, Pamela Wojas grew up as a pretty, ambitious, and all-around popular lady. And you'll see her pictures. She, no doubt, was a gorgeous girl. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Even though she was born in New Hampshire, she grew up in Miami, Florida, um, until about eighth grade when they moved back in this area and she moved to Derry, New Hampshire. And she continued her schooling at Pinkerton Academy, which also was kind of one of our enemies Mm -hmm. in high school. They were like the preppy, oh, academy. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, you're too good for public school. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Pam was also a cheerleader, which of course, you know, always hot cheerleader. And she was popular not only because she was, you know, nice and fun, but she was beautiful. Um, She ended up going to Florida State University in Tallahassee, where she studied communications. And she actually was um, the host of a college-based radio program. She was obsessed with heavy metal music and like rock music, which is kind of surprising given like her look and her cheerleadiness. I was going to say, what cheerleader listens to like death heavy Yeah, it's crazy. But she, she loved it. And her radio program was all about, I think it was called like Metal Madness or something. It was all about heavy metal music. Um, so she wanted to do something with that. When she was visiting New Hampshire during her Christmas break in 1986, Pam met a boy. His name was Gregory Smart. And they very soon formed a very serious relationship and began dating in February of 1987. In fact, Greg... Just as Pam was beautiful, Greg was handsome. They both bonded over, you guessed it, their mutual love of heavy metal music. (laughs) That was their thing, which is cute. I mean, that's cute. So during her senior year of college, Greg actually moved to Florida so that he could be with her and be close to her the whole time, which if that happened to me, oh my God, swoon, my heart. That's really sweet. I would love, that's, that's a big deal, picking up your whole life and moving for someone else, even at like a young age like that, that's pretty serious. You know, when she finished up and graduated, they moved back to New Hampshire and they got married in May of 1989. And it actually was pretty obvious based on their pictures and like there's videos. They were very in love. And um, this was so sweet. Greg bought Pam a puppy and she named it Halen after their favorite band, Van Halen. So cute. Love it. Everything seemed normal and good. This beautiful cheerleader, this hot young thing guy, and they're both heavy metal heads and they love each other. Oh, mwah, mwah. Great. Pam definitely liked Greg's like long hair, rocker, lifestyle, bleh. But then when they moved back to New Hampshire, he cut his hair, changed his band tees into suits and ties, and he started working for his father's insurance company. So he became like a husband, you know, mm-hmm. he grew up real fast. And I don't think Pam liked that very much. No, especially because she was 22 at this time. Yes, they were still very young. He was, I think, 22, 23 as well. Very mm-hmm. young. So they were like 
our age as we are now, Katie, and just all of a sudden going from a cheerleader crazy, you know, I have a college radio program to, all right, honey, I'm working my nine to five. I got my briefcase and my mustache and I'll see you at, make me dinner. Bye. Exactly. Right. It was a big change that I think she just wasn't feeling yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Greg became a career-oriented husband. Pam found herself having trouble finding a job, like, based on her radio interests. In 1989, she ended up getting hired as the director of media services for the New Hampshire School District, um, which included Winnicott High School. She also began volunteering for a program called Project Self-Esteem, which was focused on keeping vulnerable high school students away from drugs. I believe similar to, like, a D.A.R.E. program. Mm-hmm. So... That was where they were at. She was comfortable. He was comfortable. But I think she still had a lingering, like, I don't want to be a housewife. I don't want to be a working lady just yet. You know, I want to be on the radio. I want to do stuff I'm interested in and listen to heavy metal and make out with my husband in public places or whatever. I don't know. Just several months into their marriage, Pam claims, this is all later, um, when Gregory cannot speak for himself, but she claims that her husband came forward to her and confessed that he had had a one-night stand after they had gotten married. And Pam is quoted as saying, I thought there was something wrong with me and I wasn't good enough. And, you know, this woman is a terrible person, but I can see why you would think that. Being cheated on, I can't say I've ever been cheated on, but I can imagine that is the worst feeling. Like, why am I not good enough that you would cheat on me? Totally empathize with that statement. Mm -hmm. Of course, after this confession from Greg, their marriage very quickly soured. And remember, this is all within a year of getting married. So that's a very quick turnaround. Yeah. So Pam was working at Winnicunnet High School in Hampton, New Hampshire as a media coordinator. And like you said, Liz, she was volunteering at the high school's drug awareness program. This is where she meets a sophomore 15-year-old William Flynn, nicknamed Billy, who was also a volunteer with the program, and the two started bonding over their shared interest in heavy metal music. What? Heavy metal brings us all together. (laughs) Pamela also met another high schooler and intern, Cecilia Pierce, who was actually one of Billy's friends, and she was interning in a role that made her work very closely with Pamela. Mm Mm-hmm. Her internship also involved media, media coordination. So with Pam as the media coordinator, Cecilia was basically her intern. Right. So they became pretty close pretty quickly. And, you know, Pamela's bonding with Billy. Her intern, she's bonding with her intern. Her intern is friends with Billy. So it's kind of like they're all in, they're all just hanging out. Yeah. I mean, I think Pam forgot that she was an adult now. I think that's part of it. Maybe not, not that I'm giving her any leeway, but I really think she still was like, I'm 22. I'm a kid. Like, I'm still a baby myself. Right. Like, I was just barely an adult. Mm -hmm. These guys are teenagers. Like, granted, there's an age gap between them. Right. But maturity level wise, you know, they could kind of bond over similar things. Yeah. Everything seems to be going well, going normal. You know, how it looks on surface level. Everything seems like it's going great. Right. Until one fateful day, Mm. May 1st, 1990. A day to be remembered. Oh, man. Pammy comes home from work. She actually came home late from work because she had a work meeting. 
Her and her husband, Greg, had lived in a condo in Derry, New Hampshire. So she comes home kind of late, and the place is just in absolute shambles. Mm -hmm. Furniture is flipped over, and the place had been ransacked, and she's looking around the house, and she's like, oh my god, we must have been robbed, this is crazy. And then she comes across the scene of her husband, Greg, lying dead in a pool of blood. Hmm. He had been murdered at just 24 years old. So young. Shot in the head. Now, face value, imagine coming into that scene. Your apartment, your condo, whatever, is in shambles. Jewelry's missing. Drawers are pulled out. Tables are turned over. And then you walk in and you find your husband of less than a year dead. It's very sad. Awful, awful thing to see. 24 years old. Yeah. Police arrive on scene and they very quickly come to the conclusion that it must have been a burglary gone wrong. Mm -hmm. They're thinking that maybe the condo is being burglarized. Greg walks in on the burglary Mm -hmm. and the burglars panic and shoot and kill him. Right. So the police are like, okay, yeah, this adds up. You know, the scene is pointing to this 100%. Yeah. Let's find out who burglarized this house and shot this man in the head. Right. Because now it was, you know, now it was a murder. Maybe it was, it looked as maybe it was an intentional robbery that ended up, like you said, accidental murder. So they were like, okay, let's figure this out. No suspicion towards Pam at all. No connections. Just a horrible, tragic thing that happened in her life. Right. Right. It did not take long for police to kind of switch their gears because they got a tip that someone had seen four boys Mm -hmm. local to the area near the condo. On the day that it happened? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. That's not good. (laughs) As they're investigating this murder, this burglary, you know, they have in the back of their minds, okay, four boys were seen. That's really weird. Wow. That's what a weird detail. Right. Okay. Well, make note of it. Sure. Right. At the same time they're investigating, rumors are starting to spread through the high school, Mm -hmm. through the community, that Pamela was seducing and having sex with Billy Flynn, Mm. the sophomore. Yeah. 15 years old at the time that they met, Mm -hmm. 16 at this time. Right. He had just turned 16. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. Billy was one of the four boys seen in the area of the condo that night. Mm. Interesting. Police get another tip. Oh. Pamela was involved in the murder. (laughs) Dun-dun. No way. Now they're like... How the fuck is all of this falling into our lap? Like, this is crazy. So neat. Like, neatly piled into their laps. It wasn't until, like, six weeks after the murder, um, until a man came forward. His name was Vance Latimy Sr. Um, he walked into the Seabrook Police Department, and he presented the police with a thirty-eight caliber revolver. And they were like, oh, why, thank you. Okay. (laughs) So when he turned it over, he said that one of his teenage sons had a friend who had come forward and said that it's possible that that gun was used to kill Greg Smart in Derry, New Hampshire. And the police were like, let me take that. (laughs) And they compared the bullets from the gun to the bullets at the crime scene. And uh, you guessed it, showed a match. Vance 
Latimer Sr. informed the police that his son's friend, who was a boy named Ralph Welch, had been the one to share the information and you know regarding his son being a potential murder suspect. So then, of course, naturally, Ralph then spoke to the police. And he said that Vance Latimer Jr. and his friend Patrick Randall, who went by Pete, had opened up and talked about the murder with him. And he said during this conversation, it was also revealed that there were two more teenage boys uh, participating in the murder, Raymond Fowler and, hey, Billy Flynn. Interesting. We know that name. And now you guys can kind of piece together those were maybe the four boys that were seen that night around Pam's condo. Ralph continued to share some details, such as the fact that Latimer Jr. drove them all to Smart's condo. Billy Flynn and Pete Randall were the one who were inside. And even details about how they put um, Halen, the dog, in the cellar. And, you know, all the details, right? And so Vance and Pete, you know, they told Ralph that they had killed, you know, had a part of this. And they kind of had an inkling that maybe they shouldn't have told him that. And that Ralph maybe was going to go squeal, you know, because... I don't know, they murdered someone. <laughs> and so, panicking, Vance and Pete went to Billy and Pam. So, Pam was at a new apartment in Hampton, and she was with Billy, I guess. And they all met up, and Vance and Pete told Pammy, they said, Hey, just so you know, we may have told a friend about the story, and I'm pretty sure he went to the police. And so, together... You know, the three teenage boys and Pammy, they scrambled. They were like, we need to get the gun. We need to get the gun. So they went and they tried to find the gun at Vance's house. Guess what? It was fucking gone. You want to know why? Because Dada already <laughs> took it to the police department. Because Ralphie Pooh squealed to Dada first. Right? So it was like, great. You know? Then they kind of like went back to the apartment in defeat. Like, oh, we're screwed. We are truly screwed. Lastly, Ralph told police a damning piece of evidence that was not previously known, which kind of turned the case into a bigger deal, I mean, at least in my eyes. The boys had been promised $500 each from Pam to carry out the act. Yeah. So then there turns the motive, right? And then on June 11th, the night after they tried to get the gun, Billy, Vance, and Pete were all arrested. Dun dun. And remember, these are 16-year-olds. Yeah. They're kids. So it's like, oh my God, that's nuts. The boys were brought in for questioning and they all like immediately agreed to cooperate in exchange for a lesser sentence. <laughs> they knew there was no getting out of it. Mm -hmm. There was no talking their way out of it. They were already sweating and panicking and like telling a friend to relieve their guilty conscience and there was no getting out of it for them. So nope. they just agreed, we'll tell you everything for a lesser sentence. Right. They all started spilling everything. <laughs> they said Pamela was the mastermind behind the murder. She set up everything for them to carry out the plan. Oh, shit. She left the condo unlocked for them. It was her idea that they set it up to look like a burglary gone wrong. Yeah. And she even gave them money to buy ammunition for the gun. Yikes. Which I think that could be a crime in itself. Yes, I think you're probably right. It was soon revealed that Billy Flynn and his friend, 16-year-old Patrick Randall, entered the condo where they forced Greg Smart to his knees in the foyer. Yeah. Patrick held a knife to Greg's throat and held him down so that Billy could fire a hollow point bullet into his Ooh, head. I didn't know it was hollow point. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Yeah. Those are the ones that explode, right? 
I don't know. All guns. I know is that there was a lot of blood on yeah. the floor. Yeah. Billy and Patrick's two friends, Vance and another boy named Raymond Fowler, had been waiting outside in the getaway car. Right. On May 14th, 13 days after Greg's murder, an anonymous tip sent into police let them know that Cecilia Pierce, the intern, oh. was aware of the plan to carry out the murder. Pamela and Cecilia had grown very close, and Cecilia had actually been over to the condo on several occasions. Mm. They would hang out. They got very close. Like, it was not a adult and intern relationship. It was like a best friend kind of relationship. That's very inappropriate. Which goes to show Pamela has very poor boundaries. Uh, yeah. Pamela would cook them fajitas. Oh. They would go sledding. Oh. That's how long this was. Like, this is in May. Yeah. They were, this is a very prolonged thing. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Police contacted Cecilia, and they said, oh, well, Cecilia, Pamela thinks of you as, like, a bestie. Mm. You're going to wear a wire for us. Mm-hmm. And little 16-year-old Cecilia is like, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I guess I'll wear a wire. Okay. And Cecilia had to pretend to keep being friendly, act natural around Pam, so that she could record their conversations in the event that Pamela said something suspicious or incriminating. To no one's shock, Pamela most certainly did say (laughs) some incriminating shit. Pretty quickly. Fun fact, on one occasion, at least one occasion, Pamela hugged Cecilia and was like millimeters from touching the wire. (gasps) So Cecilia's like stiff as a board and Pammy's like, Cecilia, bestie! And just like hugging her. Oh. And Cecilia's like, don't touch the wire, don't touch the wire, don't touch the wire. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yep. Shit. Pamela stated to Cecilia, recorded by the wire, (laughs) quote, if you tell the beep truth, you'll send me to the slammer for the rest of my beep life. Oh. She also told Cecilia that Greg's death would have been, quote, the perfect murder if the boys hadn't told their classmate about it, Mm. landing her ass in the hot seat and Cecilia's ass as a star witness for the case. Ding, ding, ding. Mm-hmm. That's how you get it done. So, on August 1st of 1990, just a few months after the murder of Greg Smart, a detective by the name of Daniel Pelletier approached Pam in her school parking lot as she was leaving work. Pam had actually spoken with Pelletier a few times, you know, throughout the investigation. So she knew who he was. And so she recognized him. And she was like, oh, hello. You know, what's, what's going on? This is when Daniel Pelletier told Pam... That, uh, well, he had good news and he had bad news. Good news was that they had solved the murder of her husband. Bad news was that she was under arrest. And Pammy, confused and scared, (laughs) said, what for? And that's when Pelletier very coolly said, well, first degree murder. Dun dun. (laughs) It's like out of a movie, but he really said that. And I watched something on a documentary called Captivated, and it was about Pam Smart's trial and how the media, you know, garnered a lot of attention and how it may have affected her trial and things like that. And this man, Daniel Pelletier, was on there speaking, and he he said those exact words like that. He gave line for line how he did it, and he was saying how that was the most 
popular line of the (laughs) whole thing because he said it a million times, like, in interviews and on documentaries because it was just such a, like, movie-like way to arrest someone. He was probably driving over there in his cruiser rehearsing. Like, percent. It was pretty, pretty good. And so then, you know, she was handcuffed and she was brought to Derry District Court. Shortly after she was arrested, all the teenage boys were like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to testify against her. Like, 100%. And I think Pammy, who was maybe feeling pretty confident up until that point that she was going to get away with it, kind of realized that she was, um, to put it bluntly, fucked. It was all coming together so hard. And uh, then more details kind of came out about her relationship with Billy. And, you know, the intimacy part of that kind of came more clear, which is disgusting. Because Pam was 22. Billy had just turned 16 when they began their sexual relationship. So... I feel weird saying their sexual relationship. I feel as though that's not fair on Billy's part because he was a child. Obviously, when you're a teenage boy, sex is like so, oh my God, Mm -hmm. you know, like boys gossip about it. It's like a big deal. You're a man now. Oh my God, crazy. I just banged this chick, you know, whatever. So I think that kind of enabled him in a way to be like one confident and like better than thou because he was having sex with this hot teacher that was like fun and pretty and was a cheerleader and she's older. And I think he just got really swept up into that really quickly because he was 16. Mm -hmm. He had the mind, the maturity, the attachment of a 16 year old. And Pam was an adult and manipulative and grooming this young man, you know? Awful. Absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that he was 15 when they first met and bonded over heavy metal music and began their intimate relationship and hanging out and he was being manipulated. 100%. He was 15, just turned 16, which, fun fact, that is statutory rape. Absolutely. Billy, although one of the main perpetrators of a murder, Mm -hmm. is also a victim. Yes, absolutely. He was manipulated, and every sexual encounter they had, Mm -hmm. that is rape. Yeah, absolutely. It is said, I believe Pam kind of recalled this, and again, I don't know if this is true. She says that over two months they had sex at least five times. (gasps) Yes. Oh, shit. And then supposedly Pam now, of course, she claims this, She says that she said to Billy, you know, I can't do this anymore. You know, my husband and I, I love him very much. This is very wrong. And she claims that she broke it off with him. However, in court, it came out from Billy that it wasn't so much, oh, like my husband, you're a teenager. I can't do this. It was more that I can't be with you because I have a husband. We need to kill him so I can be with you. And because Billy was a kid... He was so in love with her that he was like, whatever I can do to be with you. And so, I mean, that's that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, Billy was saying that he fell in love with Pamela when right. they first met. Right. Like it was beyond sexual at that point. He yeah. truly was in love with her. He really thought he was. 
Which, I mean, oh my god. And then he also said that he was a virgin before right. meeting Pamela. Which isn't hard to believe because he's he was 15. Right. And, you know, that's fair. And that also goes into that thing of, you know, virginity is painted as such a meaningful thing. Right. This woman who he thinks that he loves took his virginity. Right. And that's a big thing, too, especially as a teenage boy, I feel like. Like, going around, getting high fives from all your friends. And they're patting your back. Like, yeah, bro, you did it. Mm -hmm. You're not a virgin anymore. You're having sex with this super hot 22-year-old. Right. You're so mature. And I feel like... If the roles were reversed, if it was a 22-year-old man mm-hmm. who was doing this to a 15, just-turned-16-year-old girl, right. people would have viewed this a lot differently. Absolutely they would. Because victims are usually seen as girls and women, right. but boys and men can be victims too, and their being a victim is painted as so much less than if it were a girl, right. which is so unfair because it's like, oh, well, he should be lucky because he got to have sex with such a hot woman right. and it was fine. Like, oh my God, no, it's, it's statutory rape. Absolutely. Also, just because, you know, originally Pam said that Greg had a one night stand and then their relationship was kind of rocky after that. And like I said, Greg is not here to defend that side. So that's alleged. Pam claims that, like I said, she ended the relationship because it was wrong. You know, she was an adult. He was a student. She says that she told Greg about the affair in that supposedly he forgave her. Now, again, Greg is not here to tell that part of the story. So it's unclear if that's true. However, the way Billy Flynn tells it, like I said, she asks him essentially to kill her husband. Billy says, no, you know, he resisted, but Pam then threatened to end their relationship. And that's why he... Uh, decided he would do it. He even is quoted as saying that Pam said to him, if you loved me, you would do this. Wow. Which, exactly the points you were just making, he's a vulnerable teenager who's in love. He's in love. And she just said, if you loved me, you would do this. So he's going to do it because he thought he loved her. According to Billy, too, part of what he testified was that Pamela kind of played to oh, well, my husband this, and I want you as the man in my life, and you have to help defend me Mm -hmm. because my husband hits me. He's going to take away the dog if we divorce. I'm going to be ruined. I'll lose everything. Yeah, no. And then Billy also said she threatened to break up with him, stop the relationship completely, Mm -hmm. especially their sexual relationship. Right. If he didn't follow through and kill her husband. Yeah. So now Billy's thinking, oh, my God, he's beating her. Right. He's hitting her. Right. I love her. I have to defend her. Now to this day, you know, when Pam talks about it, she's interviewed about it, she says, I never said that. I never told him, you know, kill him or else we're done. Maybe he interpreted the way that I said it as to the only way I can be with you is if my husband is dead. That's how what she's saying. He came up with that in his own brain. He took what I said, which was innocent, and made it into let's murder this man. Do I believe that? No. But I can see how that maybe that could be portrayed because that is, he's, again, he's a, he's a kid. Maybe that's how he would have interpreted it. But she specifically told him, hey, kill my husband. It wasn't how he took it. It was literally like word for word, you need to kill my husband. Right. And did he take it too far? 1,010%. Absolutely he did. 
But if it were not for their relationship, like if Billy never met Pam, mm-hmm. Greg would still be alive. Absolutely. Absolutely. This trial, <laughs> like you said at the beginning, huge. So insane. Massive. A media sensation. It was a murder trial, number one. Right. It had teenagers. It had this woman that was painted as like a femme fatale seductress. Mm-hmm. Ice princess, they Ice princess. Her. It was also one of the first ever trials to allow TV cameras into the courtroom, Mm -hmm. and then the first one to have the full gavel-to-gavel coverage. Yep. Ironically enough, fun fact, Pammy had always wanted to be on TV since she was little. Oh. How ironic. That's great for her. And it was also a case where there were really high stakes, Mm -hmm. because Pamela faced a life sentence if she was found guilty. Right. Some of the arguments... They started on March 4th, 1991, just for the timeline. Mm -hmm. Assistant Attorney General Diane Nicolausi painted a picture of the teenagers involved being naive Mm -hmm. and victims to the manipulation of, quote, an evil woman bent on murder. Wow. Yeah. Prosecution painted a picture of Pamela being a mastermind and the one who was completely 100% in control of Billy. Mm-hmm. An argument the prosecution made was that Pamela seduced Billy in order to get him to murder Greg for her. Mm-hmm. She did have a lot to benefit from Greg being out of the picture. She could, you know, have fun and have this affair and continue manipulating Billy if she mm-hmm. chose. Mm-hmm. She could avoid a very expensive divorce, a humiliating divorce. I mean, sure. it was the 90s. Right. She was young. She was 22. Right. And then, of course, one of the main motivators, she would get... A big fat check of $140,000 from his life insurance policy. Right. (laughs) Which in today's money is significantly more. (laughs) Um, I couldn't tell you what it is, but I'm going to guess it's at least $250,000. A lot. Yeah, it's it's a lot. Enough where I could see, I guess, motivation for Mm -hmm. that. Stupid, but motivation. So, naturally, in court... The boys were talking, and the story of, from their perspective of how it happened, came out. So, school ended on May 1st, 1990, and Pam drove Billy, Pete, and Vance to pick up Vance's grandmother's car down in Massachusetts. Supposedly, and this is according to the court documents, Pam spent the drive discussing the murder plot and even reported practicing her reaction to finding Greg dead, like acting... Like, saying to the boys, like, should I do this? Should I do that? Yes. This is this is all what just was said in court, court documents, okay? Vance and Pete, when they got back, then drove back to Seabrook in the grandma's car, while Pam drove Billy back to Seabrook separately. From here, Pam went to Winnicunit. She had a meeting, like, scheduled, so she was going to go and be at this meeting and have a perfect alibi because she was going to be not at home and scheduled somewhere else while her husband was being murdered. The three teenage boys took the grandma's car, picked up a fourth friend who was Raymond Fowler, and then they drove all the way to Pam's condo in Derry. Vance and Fowler waited in the getaway car, like you said, Katie. Um, It was parked at a nearby shopping center while Billy and Pete entered the home through an unlocked bulkhead door that was previously established, as you said. The plan was for the boys to arrive at the home before Greg did, So they could ransack it, make it really look like a botched robbery. And Pam even told them that they could take anything they wanted as compensation. So they were prepared to, like, actually take some stuff. They destroyed the whole apartment. Boys waited for Greg. 
Billy had the gun, and Pete was holding a knife that he stole from the kitchen. Um, when Greg came home, the boys ambushed him, forced him to his knees, like you said. While Pete held his head down, Billy uh, shot the gun at Greg in his head, and he was killed immediately. After Greg was shot, the two boys took a pillowcase full of jewelry, fled the home, and then met Vance and Raymond in the getaway car and promptly drove to Seabrook. The star witness, our girl who wore the wire, Cecilia, testified in court that Billy and Pam started off as just friends, and she noticed a change in their relationship in February of 1990. Okay. This is when Pamela confessed to Cecilia that she, quote, loved Bill. Ew. Ew. Yeah. Blah. You are 22 years old. Yeah. Raping a teenager. You know. Yeah. Pamela also allegedly told Billy, quote, do you think about me? Because I think about you all the time. No. <laughs> like, no. Gross! No. I think if anyone said that to me now, like in a flirting, dating way, I'd be like, please delete my number. Please <laughs> leave me alone. Yeah, hold on one second. 911. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, that's creepy. So creepy. Ugh. And Cecilia knows these two very well. Like, right. she was previously friends with Billy before Pamela came into the picture. Right. She was Pamela's intern, pretty much. Yeah. Turned bestie. Right. Like, oh my god. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Cecilia is a whole other can of worms. Sure. Because she's guilty too, in a way. Absolutely. She knew about all of this. Yeah. Pamela is confiding in her. Wow, if only the boys hadn't snitched, it would have been the perfect murder. Right. I love Billy. I'm going to have Billy kill my husband. All this other shit. Yeah. Cecilia claims, you know, she's after this whole thing. I can't imagine, like, the reputation she had. And she tried to really isolate herself and separate herself from this into her adult life. Right. She's done maybe a handful of interviews after the fact as an adult. Right. In one of the interviews she did do, she said that as a kid, when this was happening, she did tell a trusted adult mm-hmm. and the adult did not believe her Ugh. because it's so wild of a concept. It is pretty crazy. It's right. But this adult didn't take her seriously. So she was like, okay, guess I'll not tell anyone, yeah. which I mean, I'm very conflicted about because number one, this is a 16 year old girl. Mm-hmm. She did cooperate fully with the police. Yes. But also, you know, she didn't come forward. An anonymous tip had to be sent to the police to get her involved. Otherwise, would she have even come forward? We don't know. That's a good point. Right. That is a good point. And then Pamela, that whole thing. Mm. Oh, I had no idea that's what the boys were going to do. How did they know what time Greg would be home? Right. How did they know what door would be unlocked? Mm-hmm. How would they know where to put the dog? Yep. How would they know how to do everything? Literally like, everything. And then you have Billy. How in God's name did three other people think, yeah, okay, I'll help you kill a man? I have no fucking clue. Isn't that, that's wild to me. Like, you would think out of a group of four people, one person would have reservations or one person would say, yeah, Billy, I don't know. Maybe she's not worth it. Right, <laughs> like, right. Literally. But they're teenagers, too, so right. I can see that side of it where they think this is it. And also, Pamela promised them $500 each. Which is so little. 
Right, but I'm wondering, too, to, like, a 16-year-old... Oh, it's a lot. ...stupid 16-year-old boys. Teenage boys are idiots. Of course. We could go buy so much McDonald's and yeah. so many video games with that. Oh, my God, bro. That's, oh, yeah. What a deal. Like, oh, yeah. 100%. And I mean, for the other two, like, Billy had his own motivations because right. of his relationship to Pam. Right. The two in the getaway car, may- maybe I could see, like, I, I guess we'll wait in the car. Like, yeah, yeah, that's... We're not physically going to do it, so I will make an easy $500. Right, right. There's just so much. It's a lot. It's a lot. What made me laugh, <laughs> and it's not like, haha, funny, but like, are you serious? During the trial, you know, obviously a lot of the defense was that Billy is 16, Pam is an adult, he was a virgin, you know, she was raping him and grooming him. There was one point um, during the trial that Pam actually was so bold to come back and say that it was she who was inexperienced with love, in that in her lifetime... You know, she had one boyfriend in high school that she was, you know, sexually active with. And then when she was in college, she was too busy with her studies until she met Greg. So she'd only like slept with two people or whatever. So she was saying that she was so inexperienced with love that she was manipulated herself. Hmm. Because she didn't know what she was doing. Ah, yes. The 15-year-old virgin is the expert and is manipulating the 22-year-old trusted adult Mm -hmm. faculty member at the school. Got it. (sighs) Happens to the best of us. (laughs) Like, what? What the? Who cares if you're inexperienced, quote unquote, with love? Like, you were still grooming and raping a 16-year-old. If you kill someone, is your argument going to be, oh, well, yeah, I killed them and I got caught because I'm inexperienced with murder. This is my (laughs) first murder. What? Right. Right. By that logic, like... Stupid. Holy shit. It's so ridiculous. The trial lasted 14 days and ended on March 22nd, 1991. At just 23 years old, Pamela was found guilty of being an accomplice to first-degree murder, as well as conspiracy to commit murder and witness tampering. The witness tampering is from her coercing Cecilia to lie Mm. and not say anything to the cops. Yeah. Which, I'm wondering if she said those things while Cecilia was wearing the wire. Yes. The testimony of the boys played a huge role in her conviction, as well as, of course, the star witness, Cecilia. Right. The information she gathered from wearing the wire was major evidence because a lot of it involved Pamela contradicting her own claims that she said in court of wanting to fix her marriage, making things right with her husband. I didn't tell Billy to kill him. She also said a lot of things to Cecilia indicating that her claims of having no knowledge of this plan to murder Greg were bullshit. Right, right. She knew about it the whole time. Pamela was actually going to be charged with capital murder, but prosecution decided against it, and later that day, she was given a life sentence without the possibility of parole. Crazy. Pammy threw a fit. Of course she did. Pamela argued that the media had a huge role in her sentence, which, I mean, arguably it did, because it... Oh, yeah massively televised. Everybody was talking about it. It was a nationwide thing. Like, Times Magazine covered it. Like, it was a big deal. Huge. Yeah. Which, you know, media influence is very tricky. Mm. And just the way that she was portrayed, like the femme fatale seductress. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, again, if Pamela was not in the picture and did not meet Billy... Right. Greg would still be alive. Absolutely. She was... The one who set this into motion. A hundred percent. As for the boys, 
1992, Billy was sentenced to life in prison for second-degree murder. He was not eligible per- for parole for 40 years, with 12 years of the minimum sentence deferred if he were to have good behavior. So, in February of 2008, a request was made by Billy to have his sentence reduced. Um, it was denied, um, but his parole eligibility date was reduced to 25 years instead of 40. And what I thought was, I don't know if sweet's the right word, but Billy waited to appeal his sentence until 16 years of him serving because what he wanted to do was serve as long as he was free. So he was out of jail for 16 years and then he was in jail for 16 years and that's when he decided to appeal because he wanted to, that was only, he felt that was fair. Wow. Which I personally think is a big gesture. Like, that shows remorse. 100%. It shows that you acknowledge what you did was wrong, Mm -hmm. and you want to be punished because you're recognizing, like, yes, I deserve this. Right. That's huge. Yeah, it's big, especially as a 16-year-old, like a little, yeah. Billy was actually granted parole on March 12th of 2015, and he was released from prison in June of that year with lifetime parole hanging over him, so he will always be on parole. He was able to get out of jail 23 years after he was sentenced, which, I mean, you can argue about that length of time all day, all night, but, you know, that was when he was released. He had also gotten married in prison, fun fact. Pete Randall actually got the same charge in sentencing as Billy. He was released also on June 4th, 2015, and he's also on lifetime parole. Vance Latimy Jr. was sentenced to life in prison as an accomplice to secondary murder and was eligible for parole after 30 years with 12 years suspended. He was released from prison in 2005. And Raymond Fowler, who simply waited in the car, uh, was sentenced to 30 years for conspiracy to murder and attempted burglary. And he was eligible for parole after 15 years. He was paroled in 2003, but sent back to prison for violating his parole in 2004. And then he was paroled again in June of 2005, and he remained out of jail. Wow. Mm-hmm. As for Pamela. Pam. You know, the boys at least showed remorse. Mm-hmm. They served their time. They did their time. Okay, great. Yeah. Pamela did not go so quietly. Mm, she, she's still not. No. No. <laughs> no. Still not. She has given a ton of interviews. Like thousands. You know, her whole job and her whole, like, career Mm -hmm. was centered around media. Right. She wanted to be on TV so bad. Mm -hmm. She made this whole thing about her. Poor me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's still doing that. Oh, my God. She made a request for a pardon hearing that was denied in 2005. One of so many. So many. In one of the many interviews she gave, she maintains that she didn't tell Billy to kill her husband. She stated, quote, I'm so much more than the worst mistake of my life, and I feel like I've been frozen in time inside that mistake to get involved with Bill, and I have never been able to get out of it. Mm. She also went on to say, quote, I never wanted Greg killed. I never wanted him to kill Greg. I never asked him to. I never insinuated that I wanted him to kill my husband. Mm, I don't know about that one, Pam. That's crazy because we have you on wire saying that it would have been the perfect murder if the boys hadn't told. Right. Pammy tried again to be paroled, but the executive council voted four to zero <laughs> unanimously yeah. on May 15th, 2019 to deny her. Good. 
Pamela is currently serving out her sentence at the Bedford Hills Correctional Facility for Women in New York. Mm -hmm. She was at the Correctional Facility for Women in New Hampshire. But she was one of, I want to say, like four women that were transferred out to serve in different states, which she was not happy about. Pam said that part of the reason she's upset that she has to serve her sentence out of state is because in the New Hampshire prison, they allowed her to wear her wedding ring. I'm just shaking my head, for those of you who can't see. (laughs) She said that when she got to the prison in New York, they confiscated it because of the diamond setting, and her mom is now holding onto it to keep it safe. Oh, Jesus. She said that the ring meant something to her, and still does, because, quote, I'm still married. Oh, God. Delusional. Yeah, she's, um, wow. Somehow, this case is controversial in the fact that People are saying, oh, well, Pam should have got out when the boys did. Mm -hmm. The boys should be serving longer than Pamela because they're the ones that actually put the bullet in Greg's head. Right. Pamela was just the seductress and she manipulated Bill and Bill did everything and this and that. Mm -hmm. You can't deny that her wanting her ring because she's still married. Mm. That's crazy. It is a little freaking crazy. Yikes. Yeah. Yep. So she still maintains, I had nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. I nothing, you know, they all did that themselves. Right. Absolutely not. No. So here's the big question. What do you think? Do you think Pam is just as guilty and is where she should be? Do you think the boys should have been released? What are your thoughts? Do you think she really masterminded it? I think that she very much manipulated Billy. Mm-hmm. I think that Billy is a victim. I mean, statutory rape. He thought that he was in love with her. He, he thought he was doing something for her. Right. And he wouldn't have thought that way if Pamela hadn't gotten involved with him. Mm-hmm. However, Billy is not, like, totally innocent because he shot somebody in the head. Right. He did murder someone. He murdered someone. Yeah. And he got three of his friends to help him. Yeah. That's crazy. You don't shoot somebody in the head so you can be with somebody. Right. He's still very much in the wrong. I mean, he murdered someone. Absolutely. Go to prison, 1,000%. hmm I think maybe Cecilia got off a little easy. I agree with you. If she knew about the murder beforehand, if she... And she didn't say anything, I don't know. That sounds like kind of like accomplice... Mm. territory or conspiracy. And it's also interesting because she saw and testified, oh yeah, Billy and Pam were really good friends and their relationship changed and Pamela's confiding in me about them having sex and they love each other. And Billy was 15, just turned 16. If Cecilia had spoken up like, hey, a 22 year old faculty member is having sexual relations with a sophomore. Yeah. Awful. Would Greg still be alive? I think yes. If none of that had happened, like if Cecilia told on them, I think Greg would still be alive. Or if that adult had taken her seriously? Yes. Yep. I mean, this case is so wild because of not only like the nature of it, Mm -hmm. but how many players are involved and it's so not black and white. No, no, no. It's very, very busy. Yeah. And there's lots of players, like you said, like it's insane. 
There's so much to it. And everybody's got a hand in the pot. It's just a matter of how deep. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And that's, uh, that's the case of Pamela Smart, you guys. Good God. A very, and if you can believe it, like a watered down version, because there is so much. There's a lot of documentaries out there. A lot of her interviews are like recorded. She has a book, I think. Um, there's at least, there's books about her. Uh, she still, like you said, maintains her innocence. She does interviews all the time. Mm -hmm. She thinks she shouldn't be in jail. I personally disagree. I think she should be in jail forever and ever. But yeah, it's a crazy case. And we want you to tell us what you think. Do you think Pam is guilty? Do you think she should be in jail still? Do you think she should have been released when the boys were released? Did they get appropriate sentences? Let us know what you think. We're definitely interested in hearing what you have to say. We love when we get comments after we post an episode and people are like this, that. We love that. So definitely let us know what you think. Oh my God, yeah. Even if you disagree with, you know, our opinions on mm -hmm. it, if you have something totally different, it's a very controversial case. It is, yeah. A lot of people have very strong opinions. Even if you guys disagree or agree or think something totally different and we didn't even mention it. Tell us. We genuinely want to hear your opinions because this is a huge case in New England. Right. Big episode 75. Mm -hmm. Like, let us know. Yeah, please. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at truecrimeny. Aha, uh -huh, lowercase. And you can send us an email at truecrimeny at gmail.com. We also have a website, truecrimene.com. You could send us questions, comments, concerns, your thoughts on this case or other cases we've covered. Case suggestions, please. If you choose not to be anonymous, which, fun fact, that is an option. Mm. If you leave your name and you suggest us a case and we end up covering it, you get a shout-out. If you scroll down further and buy us a coffee, you also get a shout-out. Oh, my God. But, of course, those of you listening get a shout-out in our hearts oh. because you're listening. And we appreciate you guys so much. That was so beautiful, Katie. Thank you. And I, I extend the sentiment because it's very true. We love you guys. We're thankful for all of your support. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye.